This is part five in the sermon series, How Does Jesus Change My Life? Entitled, Life on Mission, Living Through the Power of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we cover what it means to have peace with God, being sent by Jesus, and living through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning, Bellwether. Uh, I do not have a half a pack of cigarettes, nor am I wearing sunglasses, but we are on a mission from God. Uh, I'm happy to be here this morning. For those of you that are, are new here, uh, John Hugh is out, so he asked me to uh, teach this morning. So thank you, John Hugh, whenever you listen to this. Um, so this morning, uh, I want us to talk about what it looks like to live on mission uh, in our everyday life. When you hear the word mission, what do you think of? Think about maybe a type of mission trip. How many of you guys that are from Bellwether have been on a mission trip with Bellwether, maybe to Honduras? Quite a few of you. Maybe. How many of you guys have just been on a mission trip maybe with another church? A lot of us. Um, one, one thing that comes to my mind is a mission trip that I went on when I was uh, just graduated from high school and went to college. Uh, I brought something this morning to show you guys because I kind of think about this. It's not really my size. I think they are kind of anticipating me getting fat somewhere in life. But I went, I went to Africa, and the ladies in Africa made me this suit. So I was like, man, that's pretty cool. This is something that I always have to remember uh, uh, going on a mission trip to Africa. Maybe some of us, we think about a type of event. If, if some of you like the uh, Olympics, Maybe you, you see these people that have trained so hard for so many years and they have a goal and their mission is to win the gold. Or maybe uh, the other day I was working, at, working out at the gym, not that you can tell, but I was on the elliptical. And one thing that I like to do when I run at the gym is that I like to put my iPad up there because it gets really boring, you know. So I was going through Netflix and I came across uh, this uh, documentary on how they killed Bin Laden. And I thought about the Navy SEALs and these guys, they had a mission and they knew what their mission was about and they accomplished their mission. But have any of us ever thought about mission as a way of life? We talk about mission in terms of global and going, and that's like maybe a week throughout our whole entire year. Or maybe we think about a goal that we have and it's our, our mission to achieve that goal. But this morning in particular, I want us to think about mission as a way of life for me, for you. So this morning, we're going to be in uh, the text of John. But before we read, I really, I really enjoy uh, a guy named John Piper. I don't know if, if you guys know who John Piper is. But he has a quote. He says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Now, does that mean, like, not everybody has their own private Chris Kellum that, like, goes around with them singing kumbaya in their ear. No, that doesn't mean that. N.T. Wright says, listen to this, this is really important, that worship literally means acknowledging the worth of something or someone. It means recognizing and saying that something or someone is worthy of praise. So you asked this morning, why is worship important or why is mission important? It's because we want to be a gospel people who goes out in God's world that proclaims the good news of Jesus. And we want people's response to be one of worship. 
We want him to say God is worthy. We want him to see God as he is, who he shows us he is through Jesus. So read with me in John chapter 20 this morning. I'll start a little bit before uh, the text that we'll be looking at. I'll start in chapter 19 and we'll go through 22. Give you a minute to find it. This is what the gospel says. It says, On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, this is the text that we'll be looking at, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, just to kind of set up the context about what's going on here in this gospel and what John is talking about, prior to this event, uh, prior to the disciples being locked in this upper room, and this upper room uh, was probably the room uh, where they had the Last Supper with Jesus. And so they were gathered here uh, a, a couple days after the crucifixion of Jesus happened. Now, one thing to remember, and I want you to kind of put yourself in, the, in their position, is they have been chilling with Jesus for at least three years, doing the works uh, with Jesus that he was doing in his ministry. And then all of a sudden, they see the guy that they have been following be put to death. Now, think about that for a second. If, if I was following a guy and learning from a guy and being discipled by a guy, for three years, and then I saw him be crucified, I think I'd be a little bit scared. I think I would be a little bit afraid. Because probably what was going on in their heads was, well, I'm next, right? So, so we see that they have locked themselves in the room. And, but what, what else do we see? We see that Jesus shows up, okay? And we're going, to, we're going to think about the, the term or the phrase, peace be with you, in just a second. But we see Jesus show up, and he shows up in bodily form. The, we see peace be with you two times. The first time, it can kind of be said that this is kind of like a greeting. He's like, what's up, fellas? Okay? And, but it's more than that in the text. Jesus comes, and he offers his disciples peace. If you're taking notes this morning, this will be the first of your notes. We're going to concentrate and look at what it means to be peace or to have peace with God. One, it means that we have peace of mind. The disciples were afraid, just like we would be. And Jesus, he shows up and he says, peace be with you. This is just not a greeting that says, hey guys, it's a greeting in such a way to where Jesus says, hey, I'm here. You can, you can see my physical body. You see the scars and wounds. Put your hand in my side. This offers them extreme peace. So how does peace with God, or what does having peace with God have to do about missions? 
and how we live on mission. Number one, before we can live on mission, we need the assurance of peace. How can we offer the peace of Jesus if we do not have it ourselves? Right? So if our message is one of peace that is from Jesus, how can we go about living in our world and trying to proclaim that message without having it. It doesn't make any sense. You know, a lot of times we, we look for peace in all the wrong places. Perhaps the, the disciples, they were trying to find some type of security in the uh, locked upper room. And I, I think about, okay, wh- what is that type of upper room that we kind of lock ourselves into sometimes? Uh, not literally, but but... How do we try to find this type of peace? When I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know what? I, I kind of try to find this peace through weekends. You know, you have a long week. You know Friday's coming. And it's like, if I can just get to the weekend, then, man, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. Another thing, as Paige and I have got uh, married recently in August, We've been working with uh, money and trying to figure out our money. And our friend Carrie's trying to be, in, uh, she's been helping us with this. And, and we, sometimes I, in my own self, and maybe, maybe you're like me in this way, that you say, man, if I can just make even a hundred more dollars, like th- there'd be some peace. Or, this is, this is a big one in this area, what about status? Man, if I can just get to that point where people will look at me with respect and they'll see me worthy to be praised, almost like you're God, then I'll get this peace and I'll find security. What about in relationships? I'm not too far off from uh, the, the dating world. Thank God that I am now, but uh, I think about relationships. And I think about all the things that are tied into relationships, and I think about, about the ways that we try to find peace in that other person. And, of course, it doesn't work. But then what about the perfect church? I don't know where some of you guys are from. I know some of you guys. And I think that we think that we can find security and peace in the perfect church. But that doesn't exist. So you might be saying, okay, so where do we find peace? And it's quite simple. Number two, just like the disciples, we are to find our peace in Jesus. We find true peace in what Jesus has done for us and not what we do for ourselves. I'm about to give you four, four ways we find peace with Jesus. And I hope and pray that, that I can paint a picture for you. Because sometimes when we talk in theological terms, like we, get, we get all bogged down. But uh, listen to these and, and, and ask the Spirit for these to register on your heart. First way we find peace with Jesus is He forgives us. Have you ever been in a relationship to where you actually know that you are the person to blame? Have you been in a relationship to where you know that it is actually your fault? 
Have you been in a relationship and that other person that you harmed or you brought pain to says, you know what, I forgive you, I love you. This is the type of peace that Jesus is offering for us. Second, Jesus gives us the peace of acceptance. I don't know about you guys, but I really struggle with wanting to feel accepted. Like, as a matter of fact, I really want you guys right now to think that, wow, you know, Joseph, he's doing really good, and he's, he's, he's trying really hard. And I want you to think the best possible thoughts about me, okay? And you know what? I know a little secret about all of us. We all want that, don't we? You know, we spend so much time in the mirror before we come to church, not just look hot, right? Because we want people to think good about us. And this morning, what I want you to know is that Jesus thinks good about you. Do you know that? That Jesus accepts you? He came for you? Also, we have peace with Jesus because he makes us sons and daughters. This is amazing right here. I want you guys to think of a, a great family. Uh, some of my family's here, my grandma and my uh, grandfather here. And, you know, I came from a, a, a typical type of Southern family that was really close-knit and was full of love and acceptance. And I'm so thankful to the Lord that that, that was uh, the type of family that I came from. So it's easy for me to think about being the son of God. I hope this morning that, that you have some type of family that, that you can picture in your head and you can say, you know what? Man, I can see how I'm the son of God. I can see how I'm the daughter of God. Jesus makes us sons and daughters. We are heirs with Christ. This is awesome. Oh, we find peace with God by Jesus exchanging records with us. This is pretty cool. So, in our Christian life, and we all know that we're sinful and all those types of things, and we've, we've committed sin against one another and we've committed sin against God, the cool thing about being Christian is that Jesus takes all the wrong that you've done and he puts it on himself. And then Jesus takes all the right that he has done and he gives it to you. Anybody need a little bit of that this morning? I do. I love to know that Jesus' righteousness is now mine in Christ. That now God the Father, he doesn't view me as a sinful human being and he's reserving his wrath for me, but he views me as one having a clean record and being a son of God. So third, as we talk about peace and mission, if we do not find our peace in Jesus, then we will try to find it in the places and people we are on mission to. This is really, really important because this is how people really get hurt when we're on mission, okay? If we do not find our peace in Jesus, then we will try to find it in the places and people we are on to. 
So, as we close on this, this first part of this, uh, the, this verse, I just simply want to say, as we live on mission, find your peace with Jesus. Because if you don't, you'll be looking to other people and to places to give you something that they can never give you. And it's the peace. Going on. Next, next phrase I want us to look at. As the Father has sent me, so now am I sending you. First thing I want us to see in this phrase is, God is a missionary God. I say, Joseph, how do you know that? Well, if you turn back to Genesis, not that you have to, but if you turn back to Genesis, you'll see Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, they're doing their thing. And then what happens? Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit that God told them not to eat of. Okay? And so then they're like, oh my gosh, we've messed up. And they start to get fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then they go and they try to hide from God. Well, what do we see God do in this Genesis account? It says that God, in the cool of the day, was going after them. God is a missionary God from Genesis. It doesn't just start with Jesus. It starts in Genesis from the very creation. Second, in thinking about God as a missionary God, we think about the Christmas story, right? So the Christmas story is really where it all begins for Jesus. I mean, this is where he's born, and this is how he comes on the scene. We call this incarnation. God becoming man, God incarnating himself to us, to the world. So as we see that God is a missionary God, this is our reason to be missionary servants. And Jesus tends to think so also when he says, so am I sending you. Jesus sends us. This means, here it comes, this means we are all missionaries. Now there's been, a, there's been this ongoing struggle in the church, not just Bellwether, but the global church, that, and this is the idea, that people like, me, John Hugh, and Chris are the professionals, and we do the ministry. I just simply want to say that's not biblical. What is biblical is all of us as a church and as individuals living life on mission through the Spirit of God. Do you know that Jesus has personally sent you on mission? We see it. We see it where he says, As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Jesus is saying, hey, and this, this is in the Greek is plural. It's not just for the disciples, but it's for all believers. He's saying, you are my missionaries. You are my sent ones. So, that would beg the question, okay, if I'm a missionary, which you are, which I am, what do we do, right? We as Americans love to know what we should do. 
And before I say what we should do or give you some ideas about things to do, I want to preface it with one thing. A lot of times in the church, when we talk about things that we should do as believers, we automatically think that we do those things to be accepted by God. Now, this is extremely, extremely important. When I start talking about some of these ideas of how we can live on mission, these are never, ever intended to gain you acceptance with God the Father. You already have that. These are never, ever intended to keep God's love for you. You already have that, okay? That's really important. So, as missionaries, what do we do? We show what God is like, right? We do this through word and deed. I want to, I was thinking of ways to demonstrate this, and thinking about the word and thinking about the deed. First, I'll focus on the word. As missionaries, we're sent once to proclaim the gospel. That is the word that we take. See, Jesus was the message, and we now take the message. Sometimes we get that backwards. Sometimes we think we're the message, and the way that we do it is that's what's really going to help somebody, and that's what's really going to save somebody. But the Bible says, no, that's not the way it is at all. He's, Jesus says, I am the message. I am the good news. Now you take this to your not yet believing friends and family. So I want us to look at word and deed, but I want us to think about word some more before we move on. What kind of word do we take? You might have heard me say good news, and maybe, maybe if you've been coming to Bellwether for a while, you've heard a, a lot of a lot of us talking about the good news of Jesus, and I hope you have. But this is the word that we bring. We bring good news to the lost world. What's the opposite of bringing good news? You can, you can, you, you, you can speak. That's not. What's that? Bad news. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. I was thinking the opposite of good news is condemnation. I don't know if you guys can relate to this. I'll kind of paint a picture. I lived in New Orleans for four, year, four years, and crazy city, but it was, it, was a, it was a fun city, especially for culinary people like me and people that enjoy music. But sometimes in the city, I would see people who you would think that are coming to be on mission to the city, Right? And you would normally see these people holding these big signs telling people that they're going to hell, right? And then, like, they're normally, like, just chilling outside of Bourbon Street or somewhere around Bourbon Street. And I remember thinking to myself, man, is, is that the way Jesus came to us? The other day, we were gathered together. We were doing a Bible study at Sneaky Beans uh, Wednesday morning. And we're reading in John uh, chapter 3, and John Hugh brought up how, how Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. So as we think about living life on mission and the message that we bring, my question to myself and to you, 
Are we bringing a message of condemnation? You're going to hell? Or are we bringing a message of salvation that says, man, Jesus deeply cares for you and that he loves you, and there's nothing that you can do about it? So, as we go on to think about deed, uh, I brought my uh, little uh, paper and pen up here. John Hugh laughs at me because I'm a very visual type person. So, I just assume you are too. So, um, I want to show you some ways, write down some ways that we can be uh, missional. But before I do that, who in here likes music? Everybody likes music. Chris and the guys, they did a great job. Uh, this morning. I want to show you something real quick. Take this down where you can see me. Tell me, tell me which one you like better, okay? And I want you to think, which one can I dance to? Any dancers in the house? All right. Tell me which one you like better. That one or this one? Which one do y'all like better? The first one? I tend to like the first one better, too. And why is that? Why, why do we all like that first one better? Any, anybody want to guess? Yeah. Who said rhythm? That's exactly right. We like the first one better because it has a better rhythm. We can dance to it. Everybody can get their groove on and be in time together, right? Well, so th- this is what I want to show you guys about living a life on mission is one of rhythm, being in a type of rhythm. One thing before I write these down is a lot of times we talk about mission as something additional that we're going to add to our already busy life, right? So this could be a, a, a mission trip or something like that. But these things are very, very intentional, not additional. First thing I want us to think about is listen. One, we need to be a people that listens to God, right, through the Holy Spirit, and to be a people that listens to one another, okay? So you can practice these different rhythms in your life. Second, there's a very intentional rhythm, is eat, now, this is probably the one that I do the best, right? Because I love cooking. Paige loves cooking, and we love having people over to eat at our house. You can be very intentional about how you love somebody and how you share the gospel with them by going out to eat with them and inviting them over to your house. Third, I want us to think about bless. Now, this is, uh, this is sometimes a, a very churchy word or a Christian word, but... Uh, it's very, very easy to do. I think about uh, people blessing each other. There's this guy who's a lawyer. He lives in California. And one, one thing that he does to bless people is that if he knows that they're having a bad day or if he knows that they have uh, just had some type of victory or, like, they had a job promotion or something, this guy, he, like, will buy a pizza for them and send it to their house. That sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus loves to bless us. Fourth, celebrate. 
You know what? Every single person that you know has a birthday. There's reasons to celebrate it. We all live from celebration to celebration. We, we have holidays. We celebrate with one another. I think about my, my grandparents' house at Thanksgiving. We all gather together and we eat a lot, a lot of food. My grandma's a fabulous cook. I'm just trying to get some, some food after this. So. Uh, so, so we celebrate with one another. Also, rest. Now, this is hard for us to do. We always think that we've got to keep going. But in the, Christ, in the Christian world, uh, as believers in Jesus, we work from our rest, not work for rest. Okay? And then lastly, this is not just one word, but this is take off our mask. All of us wear masks, don't we? We want people to think we're better than we really are. Like, we don't want the, we don't want the person that we go to church with know that we cuss a little bit more than we should. We don't want the other person that we go to church with know the type of thoughts that we have when we're not at, at church. My question is, if we don't take off our mask, how can an unbelieving world see the effects that the gospel has had on ourselves? The next phrase, receive the Holy Spirit. If you've been looking at these, you're like, oh, you know what, that's pretty normal. I think I can do, I can do those. I can do those. We all can do these. Um, but none of this makes sense. And none of this can have the type of effect that Jesus wants it to have if we do not do these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in uh, the Gospel of John, it says, When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. One, this breathing on the disciples is a symbol of what is about to happen to them in a few days at Pentecost. Okay? So I want you to think about this for a second. Think about, like I said, Paige and I recently got married in August. And one thing that we did before our, our, our invitations went out is we sent out Save the Dates. Now, we spent a lot more money than we should on these stupid little Save the Date cards, but we sent them out anyway. And this is kind of what's happening in the text as, God, as John is writing. He's saying, this breathing on the, of the Holy Spirit is a save the date for what's about to happen in just a few days. Like, they are about to receive the Holy Spirit to the full. They received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And the church blew up in a good way. I want you to know this morning that if you have been redeemed by Jesus, you have the same Holy Spirit that the disciples received in that upper room and to the full at Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now think about that for a second. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
The same spirit that Billy Graham has, the same spirit that John Hugh has, and the same spirit that Jesus had is now in you. What does that do for you this morning? Make, it makes these things a little bit easier, doesn't it? It makes, it makes living life on mission a little bit easier. God's spirit no longer dwells in the temple, but it dwells in you. See, back before Jesus came and he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, was in the Holy of Holies. And the only person who would go in there is the priest. Now, one thing that you might not know is that when the priest would go in there, they would actually tie a rope around one of his ankles, okay? And so the reason for this was if this priest had not confessed uh, some sins or he had a little uh, filth going on, uh, the God would strike him down and he would be dead. Pretty crazy. So, and they would pull his dead body out because they could not go in there. But then when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, we see where the curtain to the Holy of Holies was torn in half. That's awesome. That now the presence of God dwells in you, in me. You think you can live life on mission with the the actual presence of God? Absolutely. Third, Jesus is going to accomplish his mission through you by his spirit. If you're like Joseph, man, I'm I'm tired and and sometimes I I fail. I'm going to just going to say get in the same boat that I'm rowing, okay? I want you to know that your failures are not a burden for God. Your failures to live life on mission are not going to stop God from accomplishing his mission. And he's going to use you this morning. TK and some of the guys, they're going to come back up. They're going to start playing as we close out this morning. This morning, I hope, I hope you, I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel loved by the Father. I hope you know that you're the son and daughter of of God. I hope you know that God's grace is sufficient for you and all your nastiness and mine too. I hope that his love for you prompts you to live on mission, to show our lost world and not yet believing friends a lot what Jesus is like. I want you to know this morning, you have power because Jesus says so. You have power because Jesus has given you his spirit. I need that this morning. You need that this morning. I hope you find the peace that comes from Jesus. I kind of hope that you follow his his model of, of living life on mission. And I hope you know that you have the Spirit. Chris and these guys, they're about to, they're about to sing uh, this song. It's a great song. I love this song. It says, there's no other place that I'd rather be 
than here in your arms. Think about that person in your life. When you're in their arms, maybe it's your wife, your husband, or maybe it's your mom or your dad, and you just feel that, that comfort and that peace. Man, Jesus is saying, that's exactly but more of what I want to give to you this morning. So as Chris and the guys play, we're going to close with this. I could give you a ton of application, right, on how to do it, and maybe there will be a time for that sometime. But I want us to ask a couple questions to ourselves. Because since you have the Holy Spirit in you, this means that God speaks to you. You don't need me. You don't need John Hugh. God speaks to you this morning. So I want you to ask him a couple things. Ask God, ask Jesus, where and to who are you sending me? As a missionary of God, as a carrier of the good news of Jesus, Lord, where are you sending me? Is it to my family? Is it to my work? Or is it to another place in the world? And then second question. Ask Jesus, what will you do about it? Will will you do some of these things? Eat, Eat with some employees for lunch? Let them see the love of Jesus in you? I hope so. So the two questions, and they're going to play just a little bit. Take about 120 seconds. We're just going to ask God, where to who are you sending me? And then Holy Spirit, what am I going to do about it?